0: This episode is produced in partnership with American Express.
1: I think whatever you say yes to, I meant you've said no to something else. Like it's just catching yourself saying mm. I'm loving this versus catching yourself saying why did I say yes to this? Yes. Why, why am I here? Why, what, is, is this the best use of my time? I guess for me the biggest thing that I ever want is just for what happens in my four walls at home to be awesome. That's my yeah. biggest thing.
0: Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Hello beautiful people. Having been a Carmen's muesli nut since back in my school days, it was such a pleasure to join the wonderful Carmen's Kitchen founder, Carolyn Creswell, at her offices for this instalment of Yay. Especially since we entered the world of food businesses and FMCG with Matcha Maiden, Carolyn's story has been an ongoing inspiration in our scale-up. Despite the giant it is today, Carmen's began back when Carolyn was only 18 years old, when she bought the handmade muesli business for just $1,000. Within a few years, she grew it to national ranging in Coles, followed soon after by Woolworths. And now it boasts over 1,000 products in over 35 countries, including 1,000 outlets in China. As you will have heard before, I love seeing businesses grow to the point where they can use their network and influence to give back, and Carmen's is doing this in a big way. This Sunday, the 1st of December, the annual Carmen's Women's Fun Run is back again, seeing 6,000 participants run, fun run or fun walk at Katani Gardens in St Kilda to raise funds for the Breast Cancer Network Australia. There are 5km, 10km and 21km options and I'll be joining the 10Ks to get the running legs going again. I'll pop more info in the show notes and let Carolyn tell you more about it. Enjoy. This is a very exciting episode because I have been such an admirer of Carolyn for so long, especially having an FMCG business, which is a tiny mouse compared to the mammoth that is Carmen's. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so excited. I believe you guys have been in this space for a year now. Yes. There's no receptionist. There's only a cafe and the cafe people sign you in <laughs> with lots of Carmen's testers. So I just had a
1: yogurt bar. It was amazing. Oh, thank you. That, such that a great entrance. Tough. It um, it took me a long, long time to, you know, obviously to, to find this building, to buy it, to renovate it and many sort of 3 a.m. brainstorming sessions of how could I do things differently? And I thought, no one, no one needs a receptionist. Yeah. It's far better that you come in and, and I'm mad about technology. So we just have this e-reception where you plug your name in and a message comes through to your phone. and You get a little sticker name tag. Yes. And, um and also this idea. So, you know, we have a cafe and everyone on their phone has an app called Skip and I kind of hack the technology with their blessing. In fact, <laughs> they had me um, speak at their conference um, uh, this year. And so it means if you're at your desk and you want to order a latte, you just press a button on your phone and the coffee shop makes it and runs it up and delivers it to you wherever you are in the building. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And also that we sell coffee, obviously, to the public so that kind of pays the barista's wages, <laughs> so it's kind of
0: win, win, win. I love that. I, I love that you can tell from the beginning when you first walk in that things have been thought about differently because yes. I saw the cafe and I thought, oh, the corporate entrance must be somewhere else. And then I realised, no, this is the only <laughs> entrance and you have to go through and taste something calm as before you can even do anything, which I loved. I thought it was yes. amazing. And then we also <laughs> have
1: something called the truth booths, which are little sensory booths. So when we have new products that were coming up, we said customers, oh, could you just pop in? And they don't know. We have little iPads and they'll say, yeah, I like it or I don't. And, um, so that's also um, an exciting thing. So, yes, um, no stone unturned in, so in the design cool. of this. So I'm super, super proud of the building. Oh, it
0: looks so beautiful. There's <laughs> lots of greenery. It's gorgeous. Lots of natural light as well, which is so good. <laughs> So, before we get started on the first section, the first question I always ask everyone is what the most down-to-earth thing is about them, which is always a hard question, Mm. but I think it's, you know, it's so easy in today's world where our lives are splashed all over everywhere Mm. digitally. You see the glossy bit, you know, you don't see who the person is and everyone's just a human.
1: Absolutely. So... For me, um, I'm very blessed to have a farm. I have um, 80 cows. Oh, yes. um, This is near Gippsland? Yes. And um, so the the down-to-earth me is is my kids say, oh, mum hasn't put her worker's hair on today. So (laughs) it's, you know, hair up in a butterfly clip and pottering around and I have a great veggie patch and, um, you know, I've got 200 yabbies arriving tomorrow so I'm going to be racing down to stock my (laughs) dam with yabbies. (laughs) So that's, um, that's really what makes me... Um, feel grounded and yeah, makes me, I don't know. Super Just for who himself. I am,
0: I can imagine people in boardrooms would never know that the, the Carolyn in real life is in gumboots, <laughs> yes, you know, with their
1: yabbies, you know, many gumboots. <laughs> yes. And Pete is a tree surgeon. Yes, yeah, So he's an arborist. So that's um, a tree surgeon. So he is mad about trees and sort of unsuccessful businessman because people would often get him to come in and say, um, "I want to chop this tree down," and he's like, "No, no, no that tree is far too beautiful and he'd sit and, <laughs> and you know sit over at their kitchen table and explain to them." needed to move their washing line and that um, puts himself out of yeah, business exactly so <laughs> no he, he's gorgeous and a massive nature lover so he obviously loves them being on the farm too
0: i'd never heard the word tree surgeon before i heard arborist yes. but i was like what is a tree a surgeon <laughs> do you call him doctor no, is he dr it, pete That sort of,
1: is funny about you know so when the people he, you know will sometimes say hey, i'm a surgeon and we sort of you know Have we'll joke <laughs> and they're like yeah tree surgeon people look like what what even <laughs> yes. is that oh dear all right so the first
0: segment is called way to yay which is pretty much how you how you got to a life of seizing your yay that makes you happy and that's full of joy now but i think going back to the very beginning always reminds people that it's never an overnight success that you most of the time never know that you're going to end up there along the way and there's lots of digressions and backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards so take us back to the very beginning to young carolyn yeah
1: so like really young carolyn and i still remember it sort of quite distinctly is that I never wanted to do anything that didn't have an outcome. So people would sort of play a computer game and in my um, vintage uh, Atari and (laughs) Pac-Man would just come in and I remember my neighbours had one and I remember thinking, but there's nothing like after an hour of doing that, you've got nothing to show for it. And so I'd think, well, at least if I went and like made greeting cards or drew pictures that after an hour I had an outcome. And so I think I always had this sense of sort of, Uh, you know uh, trying to show what my time you know what I could do with my time and and, productivity yes exactly I remember having my first lemonade stall and just probably a deep sense of of work ethic and then after through all my teenage years lots of part-time jobs you know and I always worked really hard you know I remember the day I could get a job working at Coles I did um, 14 and nine months yes correct (laughs) the very very day and um, and then that sort of went on to you know lots of different things um, being a gift wrapper and Working in a blockbuster when we used oh, to actually wow. go to the video store, and so when I was eighteen, I finished school and I was doing an arts degree. The extensive sixteen contact hours that that required—oh gosh, and so, those were the days—and <laughs> <are> the, days. <laughs> <laughs> the people that I um, babysat for said, "Would I be interested to come and make muesli?" So I went in, and that's what I did every Tuesday and then after about six months they said they were going to sell this little business and so whoever bought it might keep me working there or whoever bought it might want to um, make the product themselves so i put in an offer of a thousand dollars and it took them three months to, you know and they looked at lots of other people trying to get more money and um they couldn't so um yeah you know it was about two weeks before christmas and gosh that was in 1992 that is uh-huh. so cool. I love that it was like it was first year uni and you're yes. just
0: eighteen, and like most people are sort of drinking and they're yes. in the gutter, and you're like, yes. I'm buying a
1: business. Yes, well, I was still goodwill. And- still <laughs> doing all of that too. And I guess you know, and I want. I think it's really important that people understand you don't just buy a business that's a thriving business. I mean, this was a business that didn't have a bank account, didn't have a business name. Um, You know, we made up the name Carmens, and, you know, over time probably it took five years and if if I could have got out of it, I would have. I I couldn't just resign like other people did. I was making no money. It was a really hard slog. I was doing the – I remember the books in the library at lunchtime. You know, I was delivering before and after lectures. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, you got to a point where I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such hard work and I'm not kind of getting anywhere. Yeah. But I just was tenacious and I kept plugging away and kept plugging away and then, you know, uh, eventually I got a a bit of an opportunity with a supermarket chain, which um, (laughs) I guess, you know, that's the the start of kind of what Carmen's is today. It's so cool. (laughs) So cool. It's
0: such a cool – story particularly because it's not you know one of those stories where you kind of have multiple jobs and you, you come out of union you've had a career and then you drop corporate and then you start a business you, it was from the very beginning Good. yes but just going back before we do the do the more um, kind of like a Carmens explosion onto the scene before that you did your arts degree at Monash in 94 and then law at the University of London Monta- yes in 1996 and you'd come from st Cath's and, and like at that time when you were choosing at the end of school what degrees you were going to do and then choosing to go on exchange or to you know do your course in London at that point in your life did you think that you were going to use that degree did you were you already interested in food or business
1: um, and it's actually really probably quite um sad because I I see it happening again and again is that you know in in my school year the really you know the smart girls all did law or medicine and that Mm. was just the two things you did and that's what you did to sort of impress your parents and stuff not really thinking is that what I want to do every day of my life and Mm. for me it was probably about oh you know so quite a lot of my friends had got into law and if I had got into law I probably wouldn't have bought Carmen so you know you always have to and I have such a belief in saying you've got to believe life unfolds as it should and you have to then go well okay now what opportunity is that open so I, I sort of I was trying to transfer at Monash from arts into law but i didn't get good enough marks so i then decided to start studying law by correspondence with london which was oh it was it wasn't in london no it was in melbourne and it was um it was it was you know what i love learning learning is one of my passions and i have to say that you know i don't regret it but oh, imagine working all day yeah making me an seeming <laughs> and, and doing going law to by correspondence law night school um <laughs> but you know i didn't finish it and uh, you know i just did a year and went oh my gosh this is this is too hard well, you but, did have a lot on your plate, yes. and you had a lot of things going on. <laughs> so,
0: so, you know, when you first start, you know, took over the business, you'd been working in it and then it bought it, had a business partner for two years. Yes. At that point in your wildest dreams, how far did you conceive that it could have gone? Well, like this I'm, far or? No, never
1: would I have <laughs> dreamt it would be this big ever. Um But also, I've never been driven or motivated by the size of Carmen's or making money. That's not what... what Motivates me. It's Mm -hmm. always about the pride. It was just like, wow, what can we do with the opportunities and knocking on doors and thinking, okay, well, maybe we could, you know. And people, you know, the excitement of trying to, you know, get into a David Jones or into a supermarket chain or get onto Qantas, you know, it's always like, wow, you know. And so still, (laughs) I have such a thrill about a new opportunity and a new um, client. And whether that's, you know, Amazon today or, you know, we've got a huge meeting with a massive company in China this morning. Um, and you go, well, well, why not? Like it's such a, such a yeah. good attitude. I think
0: that's how people really stumble upon their biggest successes. Is just a why not? It's never like a ten years in advance plan. Yes. It's just a this thing's come up. Why don't yes. we just
1: do it? And also about saying what what can we do within the powers that we've got this year? So obviously the powers that we've got now at Carmen's this year are far greater. With you know incredible people at work here so we can do a lot more and we Mm. can travel the world and open new accounts which is different to when I first started and it was you know me for the first 12 years by myself so was it 12 years a long long time before (gasps) I hired I hired my son is now 15 and it was just before he was born that I hired my first office oh my
0: gosh so So when did you know that it was going to be your full time thing. That you know, did you did you finish your arts degree? Did you yeah, need finished,
1: to? No, no, no. I definitely finished my arts okay. degree. Um, and from that point on, after you would yes. finished, was it like, okay, this is my job? The hardest thing was having to still work at other places. Yes. When I wanted to just do this full time, but it just didn't make enough money to, you know, afford my measly $80 a week rent that I was paying you know and I was like oh you know so I still had to keep going and working in other places and it probably you know you know probably took maybe um, it was a good five years but probably seven years until it made enough money that that it could actually afford to oh my gosh and I you know I was I lived at home for a lot of the start of it and and um you know it, people look at it now and i think you you don't know what it was like well, and went and i into think that it. that you know as much as corny as it is that sense of being broke and and really having to just keep you know plugging away to be able to pay the bills it it sets you up in good stead for valuing a dollar mm. and understanding the complexities of business and always trying to make sure that you know you've you pay your bills quickly because you know to me like all of that has been sort of instrumental in making me who i am today
0: yeah absolutely mm. and i think that it brings resilience it brings all kind of you know resourcefulness yes. that when you don't ha- when you don't start with big budgets and big teams and resources and knowledge and all that kind of yeah. stuff it it's not handed to you it means you've done every role by the time yes. you outsource it you've actually
1: done by all those roles role. and that's what i often say to people i've done everyone's role here yeah. <laughs> so i understand the complexities of um you know if we don't have enough packaging how much of a nightmare that is so to making sure that you constantly um ahead of the game on things like that.
0: Yeah. So when did you get into the majors and how did that come about? Because most people, I think, you know, would sink before that even – figured out how to pitch to them. And there's yes. there's no... One thing I found really interesting in, in FMCG, which is fast-moving consumer goods, everyone, is that particularly in food where the shelf lives are short and, you know, you've, you don't have a lot of time to work with things, it's just that there's no handbook, yeah. there's no clear mentors because if anyone's in a slightly different category to you, a lot of their knowledge isn't relevant. So it's, it's just... There's no one to ask for that stuff. You just have to kind of turn up and Google when the, you know, brand Mm. reviews are.
1: It's it's just so difficult. I say, and, you know, because people, you know, and I've mentored lots of um, people over my career, is that don't just hang off one person's advice. Have a look, you know, and I'll say come and speak to me and I'll tell you what I think. But, you know, I've come from, you know, from my life experiences where I'm really conscious of of, um, wanting to have a life that I love and having work-life balance and happiness. And, like, I'm always talking about what what will your day look like? You know, is that what you would like to do? You know, a lot of people say love cooking and they think, oh, yeah, I want to open a cafe. And I go, but you know that you're going to be generally out the back cooking. (laughs) You know, it's very different to cooking at home for people you love who appreciate your food Mm. than kind of cooking. Like, you really need to think about what does that look like every day and so but I'll always say to people just take what I say with a grain of salt like gut instinct intuition speak to different people and try and see you know what is the the trend of what I'm here because there's no one's got you know, the perfect answer for you, Mm. particularly because they're not walking a mile in your own shoes. Exactly. And one of the things I love that I've read that you've
0: said a couple of times is that when you started, like now Muesli is such a huge category, but when you started it was not sexy. It was very dorky. Very, very Uh dorky. So how did you go about pitching? You know, you first got a distributor in New South Wales and then got into Coles and then nationally by 1997 and then Woolworths in 2001 and then entered the Muesli category after bars and, you know pushing a product that isn't sexy yet it's hard enough to pitch when it's on trend let alone you know to get national ranging and then be able to fulfill
1: those orders how did you manage that well it's it's funny that um generally and this is interesting for anyone who might be on a dating website (laughs) that um it's much wealthier people eat muesli because it's it's a wealthy person's thing to eat so which is just so bizarre but you'll see that it's often you know sort of like like English, almost, you know, the um, upper class. You know, it's, it's very prestigious. You know, it's not um, – so it, it ha- it's always had a following. What's happened more recently, you know, and when I started my career was that everyone was looking at products that were um, 99% fat-free. They didn't care what chemicals were in there. They didn't care how much sugar. It was yes. all that fat. So that's what was difficult for Muesli because it was like, well, hang on, that wasn't really on trend because everyone was going out and buying those, like, no-fat yogurts and things. And then over time, what people have realised is actually what's in ingredients really matters. And so when they read our ingredients and they go, oh, right, you know, like even this morning and I was getting ready um, for work and the TV was on and there was a a thing about um, foods that increase your mood and make you you feel better, Mm. you know, and and there's oats and you know, (laughs) always all your ingredients. (laughs) All of our ingredients. I was like, you know, I was literally and I had my muesli there and I was like, know this is part of um now it's part of the conversation of people saying we know we have to eat better like you know that it's not about chemicals and about um you know, certainly now people are much more conscious of sugar, but they're happy to eat almonds, and they're happy to eat nuts, and they're happy to eat seeds, and they understand that that actually is really good for them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very lucky that um, as the trends have moved, you know, obviously M- muesli's come into the in the mainstream, but muesli's, you know, the heritage of what we do. Yeah. It's now, you know, we've obviously got a much broader portfolio of about 60 different products. I was going to so, say so yes. many SKUs, so many, and many SKUs. 35, now, so. Over
0: 35 countries yes. and a thousand outlets in China. Like <laughs> it's just, it's an enormous. Now, And it's hard to really, I think for a lot of people listening, it's hard to conceive of you going from making it yourself as an 18-year-old to even knowing how to scale it up, even if you did get the opportunities, I think, you know, often when we pitched to Coles for the first time it was of course you want to get that opportunity but the next problem was well if Mm. we get it how are we going to fulfill those volumes and who do you turn to for finance and and even your factories having the capabilities so who taught you all that stuff and where did you go
1: i'm a big one i ask lots of questions and i just seek my own truth so i would always go out and ask people and say oh you know could i Pick your brain. I still remember going and and sort of speaking to this guy about, can you explain to me how I read a profit and loss report? Like, how does this this work? And so he'd just sit down and he'd explain it and, thanks so much. And people are happy to help. Mm. You can't abuse it, but know what you're asking and then just go and learn what you need to learn about. So, you know, we might now be much more interested in, you know, um, say – social media and how to be successful in that or is that didn't I mean when I started my business no one had a computer no one had a mobile phone like it was you just think about the internet didn't exist and now you look at where we are today and it's just totally different well
0: I think that's even I think businesses now that I speak to that were around before that age and that have managed to pivot and still stay relevant and in growth phase, it's even more impressive because Mm. now business is a lot more democratic, I think. Social media has made it a lot more accessible for people to come from outside to just start businesses off you know passion yeah. projects or hobbies and and influence has been democratized a lot but before that you had to do yellow pages ads like you had to do things by the book and for you to have actually succeeded and survived that mm. and still be yeah. around now and I thriving to, it's amazing I go, so
1: when I first got into Coles I had 20 stores and I would drive around and I would buy, I would, you know, deliver the products in, and then I would buy as many packets of my own stuff back. <laughs> to meet your the, hurdle yeah, rates. <laughs> to meet hurdle rates. Not a long-term strategy. Um, <laughs> however, you know, I just did what I could, and yeah. I just was tenacious and I kept plugging away. And,
0: oh I, you know, gosh. as I said, I,
1: I never thought it would be this big, but it was always about, well, what can I do now with what I can do with the resources I've got? Yeah. And I feel that a lot of people, you know, uh, don't worry about something until it becomes something to worry about. Don't worry about, you know, what in 10 years' time, what will happen about that. I never, you know, I've taken different paths, but I've also taken paths because it's made me happy and, you know, that it's been what I, how I've wanted to live my life. So, mm-hmm. for example, lots of people might not have invested to buy a building like this and, you know, most people don't own their own um head offices because I think I'll just rent but I didn't want someone to be able to kick me out or you know I wanted so for me that was part of who I am and what matters to me Mm. and um like I said you know very proud to to be able to be in a position that I can do something that is um I think is is um has made a huge difference to my staff and Mm. to to um even the Carmens sort of image think one thing that you said that's really
0: it resonates really strongly with me and I often talk to people about this when they're in a really crucial decision-making phase in their life is we make a lot of decisions based on the kind of macro like what job do you want to have because it sounds Mm. a certain way or you know I used to be a mergers and acquisitions lawyer and almost everything I did was macro level decisions like oh that would be good for my resume Mm. or that's going to open lots of doors later but Mm. I'd never thought about day to day like Mm. every single day in my life that I have to spend what am I going to be doing yes and now I've gone the complete other way and I do what you do which is Mm. what am I going to do day to day and is that what I want to be doing which is why a lot of people are unhappy because they make macro decisions and they don't think about the micro And then they're like, "Oh God, how did I choose, choose this? this? I chose to be here." I
1: know, but I know. I, you just got to be happy day to day. I know, and I, you know, a, a friend of ours that we had um, dinner with on the weekend. You know, he, he's a heart transplant surgeon, oh, and he said to me, "As you do, I know." And he said, "I never thought my life would end up like this," and you know, he didn't. Well, you know, for him doing operations all night long and and being on call and after years and years and decades of that it's actually quite you know it it's it wears you down yeah. and it's, it's different to just saying point. that you're a heart exactly to, you know, <laughs> look and there's obviously heaps of rewards for him um, in that role but it's uh, it's fascinating to think what it looks like and you know what else I would say and this is something I do every January is i try and curate my life and i try and say okay what did i do last year that i enjoyed or worked for me or what things should i let go of and so then what things how could i set up my year better so for example in january i choose a date and i book all of my haircuts for the whole year <laughs> because i choose a time that works for me yeah and i worked out last january that i wanted to see more of my parents so i said and you know, my um Um, my mother-in-law too so I said all right every Monday night you can come for dinner it's a standing invitation and even if it's just leftovers or whatever and one of them often will bring some ice creams for the kids or whatever and it's just so then all of a sudden you see my parents a lot because they know every Monday they're coming for dinner and then I get down to a day what time is my alarm going to go off how when do I exercise what things do I need to do what how do I how do I plan out a whole day Mm. and then that to me means that you end up kind of leading the life that you want to live Absolutely. Rather than it just happening, you know, and, and a lot of people don't actually stop and kind of think about that. So mm. I sort of did the same thing for my kids and how their time would work. You know, for my son, he has to do an hour and a half homework a day, and so we worked out. We I sat down and said, "Well, how would this work for you? When do you want to do it?" And so he said, "Well, I'm happy. He'll split it. So he does. He does 45 minutes in the morning before school. Now, know other kids sort of do that, but it means that half of it's then done. Oh, I'm sure." of course there's kids that do it, but none of his mates do that. (laughs) But it means that he doesn't have this giant pile at the end of the day. Mm. He's happy when he's fresh to get up early and to do that. And he often, you know, does the more challenging stuff then because Mm -hmm. you can just, you know, um, smash it out. out. So it's just really thinking about you and what motivates you and and I I think that that to me is something that really... um, I don't know, works for me.
0: I love the word curating because I think that's something most people forget that they have the power to do. And one of the premises of this podcast is the idea that seizing the day to me evokes this idea of like a productivity hamster wheel when you're on this conveyor belt and there's no active choice you're just kind of passively on this path that outwardly can actually look quite respectable like a good job good money whatever but if you're not actively curating and choosing what goes into each day then you can end up feeling quite resentful and unhappy and I just always wanna remind people they have so much more choice over each day than they yes. think and it's just a matter of exercising that choice in the way that you want to.
1: And I you know, I think whatever you say yes to, I mean you've said no to something else. Absolutely. So, you know, I could go to a million things every night of the week, but I actually know that I love going home and even if and I have a thing where I always like to go home even if I need to go out to something else you go home first. I want to go home for an hour that yeah. makes me happy yeah I see my kids I might have a gin and tonic I'll just you know <laughs> it's, it's, a sneaky it's gin just a, yeah whereas <laughs> I find for me if I go to something straight from work I just feel like this oh I'm on this yeah hamster wheel yeah. that you know it's not what what works for me yeah and I and I think that you've got to be really careful of what you say yes to I used to say yes to so many things mm. whereas now I think how will I feel about that on the day that's I always think about that day and I think do you know what that day I'm not really going to feel like driving to you know 45 minutes to across the other side of town to go and hear that or you know go to that dinner and so I, I'm much better now at saying well hang on what are the things that that f- feed my soul and um that make me, yeah, feel fulfilled. And I try and focus on doing those a bit more. Oh,
0: Such good advice. And it's so simple, but I think we Mm. just kind of lose sight of how simple that equation actually is. Beautiful people, just a quick shout out to our major partner in Yay, American Express, for helping me continue to bring these episodes to your ears. As you will have heard before, we are loyal American Express card members for so many reasons, not least because of the many ways they make our transactions seamless no matter where we are in the world. But the best part is that for every dollar you are already spending, American Express makes those dollars work harder for you with their amazing rewards program. Whether it's shopping, dining, our favorite being travel, or even entertainment, there's a reward with your name on it. So find your yay with Australia's most rewarding rewards and head to the Amex website in the show notes to find out more. So just quickly before we move on to um, the TV gigs and and the keynote circuit, what made you choose the name Carmen's? I was thinking about this last night. I was like, is it Carolyn's Muesli Australia, New Zealand? Or Ah.
1: is it something like that? (laughs) So when I bought the business, there was another lady that we we bought it in partnership and we were literally driving to the registration shop and so it was the first three letters of my name, so C-A-R. I thought it would be something related to Carolyn. And her name was Manya, and so it was the first three letters of her name so we just made this this made-up (laughs) name. <laughs> and then she only stayed in the business for two years and so I bought her share out then and we've just kept the name ever since oh and it's beautiful yeah, so.
0: I always, yeah, you. you know, when I first found out that you were the founder, I was like, surely her
1: surname is Carmen. Yeah. Like <laughs> Lots of people, are. You walking down the street, and they're like, hey, Carmen. I'm like, hi. <laughs> you just answer to it now. Know, exactly. Well, you can see me in the supermarket if I actually see someone buying a Carmen's product. And, you know, I always go up to them, oh, my gosh, that's you. Like, I actually yeah. saw someone the other day, um, just a couple of days ago, and they're walking down the street. I parked my car, and I just chased them <gasps> Because they had that <laughs> Carmen's. That's so my stuff. Right? Yeah, and, oh, and they were so excited. They were like, like, I read you that know, your kids
0: hate it when you do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's cute. I think it's really sweet because it—you it, don't want that feeling, that magic of seeing someone buy your product ever to fade. Because it's—it's a privilege. Oh Every customer gosh. is a privilege. Absolute privilege. What's your favorite Absolute.
1: product? Oh my god, it's like saying your favorite child. So. I move through. At the moment, I'm super proud of our crackers. So we've bought out these super oh, seed and grain crackers. Yes. Oh, um, my
0: God. I had them. I had yes, a hands weekend and we bought yes, them for the – yeah, they're yes, delicious. they're
1: amazing. So I'm very, very proud of them and they're selling really well. So that's um, – Yeah, the fine. savoury is great. Um, and in the bars, I personally – I'm a coffee um, lover. So we have our espresso um, nut bars where we smash up coffee beans and put it through yeah. with dark chocolate. And that's um, – Your yeah. eyes are lighting yeah, up right I now.
0: <laughs> I love – I do love that. I bar. love the yoghurt-coated ones, I am yeah. Like yoga girls. Yes. I had some downstairs and I was yes. like, oh, this is yes. quite nice. Yes. <laughs> so, in 2013, you went on Recipes to Riches and have since then also been on the keynote circuit talking about the Carmen story and yes. um, just speaking to audiences and, and igniting in them what you have ignited in mm. yourself. And in the process, we were talking before about the Telstra Business Women Awards. And I read that you applied sixteen times before you won, which just it, it captures, I think, your determination and um, your eyes on the prize attitude to, <laughs> to things. If you had only a few minutes with someone to pick something from your keynote to instill in them to walk away with, what would that lesson be?
1: Oh, you know, I feel um, you need to live with a grateful heart, and it's not about how much someone else has or working out who else you're going to impress you need to say I wake up every day with purpose and Mm. that I'm happy to get out of bed because what I feel what I do matters and it it motivates you and so for me I know I just sell muesli bars music whatever but I am completely motivated and dedicated to doing the very best job I can in in what I do here every day and I get so upset if I see people who are just you know, they're not engaged, they're just existing in a role. And you think, you know, you have one life mm. and the the person that has to take care of that and has to make the decisions about that is you. And so for me, I, you know, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned but it's not about, like, the wealthiest people I've ever met, 100% are often the most unhappy. Oh, absolutely. You know, And it's not because they've got themselves into a situation or for whatever reason. But to be able to feel that the people that I love are the ones that are full of passion, that just see the joy, they go out, they smell the roses, but they just <laughs> They feel, seize the yay. Yeah, they <laughs> seize the yay. And so for me that's probably been the biggest um lesson for me and or you know where I've got to and what I hope I can still you know I've got four young kids Mm. and that what I can still in them of finding something that that they are really thrilled to do every day and it's beyond just what other people think Mm. and I think that's where sometimes people end up down the wrong path
0: yeah and what about in being able to instill that message I think a lot of business owners find it very hard to balance the business profile and then their personal profile sometimes that pops up as an accident as a byproduct mm. of the business's growth sometimes it's on purpose because they want to create a platform to then share the things that they're passionate about with other people mm. have you found that moving into your tv gigs and keynotes that that is hard to balance or is it something you've done on purpose or it's kind of just happened by accident and how do you balance
1: it all I have a deep sense of sort of authenticity and who you you know chat with me now is the same person that I am at home it's the same person that I am at work I I don't turn into a different person and so I can stand up in front of a thousand people and just have a conversation without my heart rate even rising because I know my it's my story I'm talking about (laughs) and I'm super comfortable being able to do that as opposed, you know, when I need occasionally to, you know, perhaps give a speech at a fiftieth birthday or do something else, I get super nervous because it's not my comfort zone. Whereas what I do every day and who I am is um, I'm very comfortable in my own skin. And so that doesn't um, I have no difference. You know, I have an open Instagram account and I say, This is what, <laughs> yeah. like, it's what my life all, looks like. This is what my life looks like. And it's not a curated life. I'm not trying to, you know, ever sorry you know, here I'm saying curate your life, but it's not, yeah. it's not something where I'm no fashionista or something where I'm, you know, posing in front of Whatever, like that's not what you're gonna see, and so I don't feel I am a different person in in my media in any, yeah. than I am here. It's all the same, and you just choose to how you want to to do it. So, for example, I used to do a lot more keynote speaking, and keynote speaking for anyone that's interested in um, in a very well paid career. It's enormously <laughs> well paid. So for a long time, I found it hard not to accept the gigs because I'd think, oh my gosh, you know, how if someone's gonna pay me all that money, of, of course I'm gonna fly mm. to you know, Sydney or Brisbane or wherever and um, and go and deliver that speech. But, you know, I now worked out that, you know, you're sometimes getting up at... The crack of Dawn to spend the whole day on an aeroplane, and then that's a day that you're I'm not, not in the here office, yeah. doing what I need to do and yeah. do what I love. So I'm very—I I, don't—I never mind the the speaking, the keynote speaking. I, I actually really enjoy it. It's just the the travel component that I find um, mm. a little bit more tricky. Because I think a lot of
0: business owners, particularly the way that business is now, they worry if they don't have a personal profile out there because so often the founder story comes out and then yes. becomes a big part of the marketing. And I, I think they some you know a lot of founders ask do you need that should you do it? Is it a big part of business like is it a strategy and I think it just if you're comfortable with it it just comes naturally yes, I,
1: I think Yeah, I totally get that other people wouldn't be comfortable and I find that the only thing that I find a bit more tricky is that you might be somewhere and people will recognize you and then they might you know, you might be in a coffee shop and you think, oh my God, I'm sitting a bit close. That person's like fully listening to everything I'm yeah. saying.
0: Seen, I'm seen eating so someone sleep. else's muesli. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, you should see how funny it is when people go out for breakfast with me and they all think, oh yeah, they go, oh, we'll all have the muesli. I'm like, guys, it's okay. It's fine. Um, so that that is the only thing, but you don't have to, you know, like I've said to the guys here, I don't really want to be any more well-known than I am. So I don't really want my face on packets or billboards. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm very happy to speak about, the lessons that I've learned because so many people helped me when I was trying to get um, my business up and running and I will never you know I'll always be so grateful for that but I think that you know having you can have the story there without it necessarily over you know taking overtaking your life you know can be done in a more subtle way. So
0: what about the Women's Fun Run that's coming up? I'm
1: very, very excited about
0: this one. It is the Carmen's Women's Fun Run on the 1st of December in Melbourne to raise awareness and funds for Breast Cancer Network Australia. Yes. How long have you guys been doing that? And tell us about the run. Yes,
1: so we've been um, doing this. We're coming up into our fourth year. It is an incredible day and I'm very proud because I have a philosophy that when we do something, we just do it really well. If we can't do it well, we don't do it. Mm. And that it's more than just, you know, I don't know, it's more than just anything being vanilla. It's got to be fun. It's got to be authentic. <laughs> yeah. It's got to it's have a real sense of um, of joy to it. And so, over you know the last few years, we're really up to the ante with that. There's and a lot of pink going on so in my feet at the of moment. Pink. <laughs> and it's Beautiful. So you know, and it's it's not about you know whether you know people can come and you know of course you're running the ten k's, but people can <laughs> can run a ten k or they just walk and chat for five case with their mates so you know and there's a little uh, kids run and then we have um, drinks at the end and it's actually um i am super proud i tell you when you're there and you see it and look at now you know often we get it's on the news (laughs) it's sort of quite um it's quite amazing that it's got to the profile and got to be as big as it is but i you know I'll come back to the fact that I think people love doing it I think that that's what's made it as successful as it as it has become
0: I think it's one of those things as well that when you get to the point in your business where you're big enough or you've worked hard enough to be able to then actually channel some of that influence mm. and network and infrastructure towards causes that you really care mm. about, there can't be anything more rewarding than that, than yes. being able to, to not only build a business called Commons but mm. also change people's lives more
1: directly in, yes. We'll, in philanthropy. Yes, yeah, so we had um, a lot of the, um, the top fundraisers come out here to a breakfast a couple of days ago and we had some of the... Um, You know, um, breast cancer patients talking, and you know, magnificent, beautiful um, girl Terrell who is 32 and discovered that you know had had, I think had come to a a BCNA event and then a month later discovered she had breast cancer, and you you just realise that it can just affect anyone and sometimes it's the fact that you know that you have this organization that will give you a big cuddle that is surrounding you with information with a network that can help you through that journey and you know, breast cancer is so prevalent you know in australia it's so crazy it's, it's, yeah it's, um, you know we're very proud to do what we can to help
0: in the next 24 hours 53 australians will be diagnosed with breast cancer it's just extraordinary and to think that you know, I, I personally am like, I wonder at what stage is your business ready to be able to support other causes and yes. when when can you work that in? But I think as soon as you can. I mean,
1: yes. it's just so important if you and can I, use your platform. I think um, everyone needs to think, just do what you can when you can. Yeah, because it doesn't have to be big. It, it doesn't be... have to be big, but it can be that you will give someone an opportunity who perhaps is recovering and you say all right well you can you know come in and we'll and you know we can give you a couple of hours what, whatever you can do it's not always going to be of the magnitude you know we couldn't do something like this in the early days yeah. you, you I was know, like I, I
0: want to do a fun run yes, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: but you know like I said I'm, I'm very proud of the impact that we can have now and, and yeah. to do it in a really Fun, awesome way.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's so exciting to be able to grow to that stage and be mm. able to do it. So the next segment is called an ATA which is all the challenges along the way that have kind of you know been a bit of an obstruction to your joy. Yes. And I think what these don't get as much airtime because they're not as sexy. Mm. Also, because you know when you come a long way, you don't want to dwell on the things that have been mm. hard. But I think it can really your message cuts through a lot stronger when it's relatable and. When people get to hear the bits that aren't as as Mm. glossy on the outside so what have been some of the biggest challenges for you along the way yeah so
1: i think in the first sort of period of time it was being broke and (laughs) how hard that is never a good time it's really you know and if if you speak to anyone that's been broke for a long time you know for years you know it really tests your integrity and how you operate and you know if you buy something and you think I can't pay it or you see the phone ring and you think I can't answer that call Mm. you know that it's it's actually that that to me I look back as just the most shocking period of of trying to get through that and then as the business um, has grown you know we had a a point where we had a whole range deleted from a supermarket chain overnight and that was just horrendous but what I learned is that people don't really necessarily, they're not as committed. You know, you, you live in your bubble, right? I live in my Carmen's bubble here and I think everything <laughs> we do is fantastic and oh my gosh, but sometimes, you know, someone walks down the supermarket aisle and they just go boom, 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 and they, and they might spend 10 seconds considering which packet of music they're going to grab as they keep moving on. And so I have to, you have to realise that for what I learned through that experience was that I have to live with a healthy paranoia of getting my rate of sales up much quicker that, that if something's not working I have to move much quicker to change things mm. that, that you don't have this long runway that you can say oh well you know we'll worry about that next year you know so you really need and and I think that's a good thing to mm. think you know you never want to get complacent you always need to think like for us we change our pack designs all the time and you know we A new trend comes out so for example with sugar at the moment so all of a sudden we put all these low sugar call outs on all of our products and that increases sales really quickly because that's what people are looking for so we try and look at what are international trends how can we relate that to our current range what new products what might we design because of it so um or because of of, of what we're learning so i do feel that you look at these challenges and I've had lots of different challenges you know personally I had a, a son who had a massive operation when he was four years old he mm. had his skull removed it was like oh the most gosh. horrendous you know life and death kind of situation he's absolutely fine now but yeah um, beautiful but <laughs> it was a beautiful what, what smile what you, there. <laughs> what you um What you go through, whether in your work life, whether in your personal life, what you hope is what that leaves you as a better person, maybe not sweating the small stuff as much. You know, I know through my journey, I still remember when I think I had my second child, I decided I couldn't paint my nails anymore because I just didn't have time. And when (laughs) I had my third child, I decided I had to give up watching any television because I just couldn't do the juggle i couldn't get to bed early enough and get up in the morning and exercise and do everything else if i was you know as much as i would love to fall onto the couch and <laughs> you know, get stuck into the latest season of the crown um you Is know the I, new got, one out? I know i <gasps> know the new one's just out i'm so excited home, <laughs> but it's just like all right i've got to save discipline. stuff like that for the weekend discipline yeah, because yeah. otherwise i can't live the life that i want to live so yeah you know, learning as you go through different things, whether it's traumatic things of health scares, family, you know, issues, as well as the challenges that you deal with at work. And that's, I think it's just this constant um, evolution of saying, how, how's that impacting who you are and how you show up? yeah, And also to make sure that you sort of bring bring the best energy you can into the space when you enter it. Yeah. Because sometimes that we might dwell too long on something that really that you can't change yeah And if people need to obviously get counselling or however you can get yourself to be able to get to a level of acceptance and then also about, well, how's that? You know, I would love to go back and know what I know, you know, then what I know now. I'd love that. But that is who's made me who I am now. Yeah, you you only know know that stuff because of those experiences. Like I used to be, you wouldn't recognise me. I was the biggest stress head. I never hopped on a plane unless they were calling my name on the loudspeaker. (laughs) I ran late to everything. And it's caused all this stress in my life yeah. for going, do you know what, now I'm much calmer and I'm much more considerate of things because I've also been through so much more that you go, oh my gosh, that's not going to stress me out. Don't be yeah. ridiculous. Well, I think that's probably the next
0: burning question for a lot of people listening, particularly with four children and running this huge business and learning all these lessons mm. along the way. Something I've heard you talk about before is, you know, that glorification of busy and getting kind of caught on the same that's yes. conveyor belt that we were talking about before there's this immense productivity pressure, particularly in your own business where you're driving innovation and you're making all the decisions that will keep it alive sort of five, 10 mm. years down the track, that you don't ever really have an incentive to rest because it's like, well, every minute that I'm productive has an output somewhere else. And mm. knowing that you started off as a productively minded child, mm. I can imagine that's something carried through in your career. How, how have you gotten comfortable with how you make decisions Just to balance family and work and and rest and work and brain downtime and work, you know?
1: Okay, so there's a few different ways um, (laughs) I'll I'll approach this. So the first thing is that I used to not realise the power of sleep. So I used to think, well, that's what I would steal from. Oh, that's always dispensable in your 20s. exactly. (laughs) And then what what I realised was that sleeping enough, um, exercising, eating well, all of that was far greater to be happy and be the person that I wanted to be. So my take of how I approach life and decisions and things is, it's fine for it to be perfect enough. It doesn't have to be perfect, perfect. So if I'm responding to an email or you know, whatever, it'll often just be a quick one line. It doesn't have a whole lot of hoo ha. We we have a situation. <laughs> cut at the work, fluff. Cut the fluff. So we have a situation <laughs> where someone sent a you know, a, someone hacked into the system and sent an email to our CFO and said, you know. I won't use that. name, but it's, dear Steve, could you please transfer the, um, um, some money to this account? <gasps> kind regards, Carolyn. And I said to him, oh, did the kind regards give it away? He said, no, it was the dear Steve, the uh, <laughs> high Steve that gave it away. And um, so... Wow, that's yes. your signature economic, yes, so, <laughs> economical so word So use. firstly, you know, so sometimes, you know, there, there can be a lot of fluff that happens in life. Yeah, I'm you know, super so, fluffy. So I have, I have a friend that rings and she's like, is ringing me during the day just to like how's your day going just have a chat uh, no i can't have a chat <laughs> i was like what are you ringing for so i'm much more sort of transactional about saying okay what do i need to get done so my aim and people sort of don't believe that it can happen is that i try and leave every day with an empty inbox so my so i try and email whatever i need to do to myself and i get it there and i get rid of all the fluff and then i just start at the bottom and you know work my way up so you know tonight, my to hoping if everything goes well look sometimes obviously there might be 10 things left but tonight I should get to, to zero which means then so I can get out of the door here five thirty, quarter to 6 and then I can go home and I don't have to think about work yes. there's no work after hours there's nothing else that I need to process to, uh, to process so that's to me how you get that work-life balance so what I make sure though is I don't have coffee with anyone all right that's just not something I do wow. because people always say have a coffee and I'm like but if I had a coffee then that potentially is because it can be up to an hour oh that's that, 40 emails that yeah, you could have so done. that that means that i'm either sitting here for another hour at the end of the day or i'm leaving and not being who i want to be so not being on top of my workload i love so that i yeah you know and so you know and when people ask you so I'll... So it's about this sort of graceful no, which is...
0: Oh, graceful okay, no. Yes. It's a skill. It's I know. a so, skill. So,
1: look, I can't have coffee with you, but I'm so happy to book in a call. You know, I drive to work, you know, any mornings at, um, say, half past eight, happy to What's schedule a call. Yeah. And you know, or whatever it's quarter to nine and, you know, what day next week would suit you to, to have a chat. Or I can do it on the way home. So I often have calls scheduled in that would have been a coffee call, a coffee, but that will be my drive to work time or my mm. drive home time. So I just try and be economic with how that It's
0: just self-management, isn't it? Yeah,
1: self-management. So I feel that some people, you know, I'm never one. I don't want to have to work on the weekends. I don't want to have to Mm. work at night. So the only way you can do that is say, how do I try and keep my days as clear as I can Mm. to power through what needs to be done? And Mm. I think learning how to use Outlook well, learning how to use... and There's a thing called tasks on there Mm. to be able to say, look, I won't do that now, but I'll pop it in tasks. Or even putting it in your diary of a block of time to say... I, you know, that's what I'll work on. You know, say if I'm travelling, I'm great on a plane because I will have saved up more complex stuff yeah, to Yeah, I do that too. Yeah. I've got open, like a folks. today,
0: this week, sometime soon. Yes. Kind of different lists and things move per yes. day and it means you're never using your brain space because you've kind of delegated yes. it to paper and it's, your brain's free to do all the other
1: things. So um, I think it's called to sort of glove these ideas. So it's when something pops into my head at whatever time, I send myself an email. So, I do that too. Yes. So then I know it's in my inbox. And you'll deal and with it. And there might be 10 things in there. So then I can choose to either put in tasks, I can choose to quickly do it, I can mm. choose to delegate it. So um, I find that that's the way of making sure that I – because I'll remember you something. You don't miss things. Yes. You know, yeah. you're hopping into bed and you think, oh, my gosh, I better do that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And – or I didn't hear back, you know, like I- I'm trying to – um, streetscape out the front of our building and i'm happy to pay for it all and i've been chasing the council for now you know plus six months plus and all of a sudden it just popped in my head gosh they haven't responded to that email again so, so you email so yourself so to email them counsel. and now often i might be even if, if i'm in a meeting i'll come to the meeting and i'll um you know when i finish remind and so then i know that it's in a i've caught it like you know yeah that idea is it's not off there <laughs> yes the,
0: the you know ozone layer somewhere yes. that you're never going to get it yes. again
1: well you just i always say you know otherwise if it's just in my head i'm going to forget so
0: totally always oh, very similar my, <laughs> my time management method is to defend my calendar and yes. so my notes and my calendar together yeah. have every single thing i ever need to remember because yes. i won't remember it by myself yes. so Correct. but i overwrite notes to myself and sometimes my like reminders on my phone people are like what does it say like Buy broccoli or, yeah. you know, want some random thing to remind myself later. <laughs> I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. so the very last segment is called Play TA, which we've kind of touched on a little bit, but it's just the section that strips back who you are at work, who you are when you're defined by your output. I find it really interesting that the first question we ask a lot of new people is, hi, what's your name? What do you do? It's not like who you are or what you yeah. like. We're very defining of people by their their productivity. Uh, but I think that's too often separated from what makes us happy and what makes us joyful, mm. which already speaking to you, I can tell that you already are well aware what makes you yeah. joyful and how to work that in with what you do and your work and everything. But when you do leave yourself time to just play, mm. other than The Crown, ah. <laughs> what do you do? I mean, so obviously like play with the cows. massive
1: reader. Oh. And so I'm in two book groups. I have one, um, one of my book groups tonight and i so that gives me a lot of joy yeah so to um to be able to just spend an afternoon reading a book and uh, i'm a foodie i'm like ridiculously massive foodie so planning and thinking about cooking and also like it's funny i was saying last night to my husband I love to barbecue. Nothing makes me happier than standing out barbecuing. So then I just barbecue wow. a lot. I buy a lot of food just to barbecue because, I don't know, I love being outside. I just love it so much. So, yeah, listen to me, crazy girl who, uh, <laughs> who loves barbecues. a barbie. Not not reading and barbecuing one. Um, you can read and barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that. You can multitask. <laughs> but I think it's just look, just thinking. Like it's just catching yourself saying, mm. I'm loving this versus catching yourself saying, Why did I say yes to this? Yes. Why why am I here? Why what is, is this the best use of my time? So it doesn't always have to be productive. No. It just needs to be um, you know, I just I'm a massive family person, so I just love being home. I love having people around yeah. and, you know, even if it's just like we had a big dinner on Saturday night and so then on Sunday night I said to my mates, quick, come and eat all the leftovers. <laughs> so then they, then they all arrived. You and threw them back on the barbie exactly to warm s- them up. <laughs> Don't you worry, there was more barbecuing. Um, but, you know, it's... it's um, doing stuff that I think is that you know when when that those moments where you feel good and you feel like, you yeah. know. So for example, I, I don't like to be disorganised, like that I don't like to be stressed. So like I had my table set on Thursday, even for <laughs> Saturday night, because I'm like, you know what, that's I was going away on Friday night, I'm not gonna have like, time. Right. And so how do you um to to think so often on I, on a Monday morning I look at my whole week and I think about my week. I and do I that think too. I really and then I think, what am I cancelling? What am I juggling around? You know, is this the right week? You know, is this... Going to work in this configuration? Exactly. I'm exactly the same. you know, getting whatever, you know, if you need to confirm something Mm.
0: or... I love that you mentioned exactly what this whole section is about, which is that the activities that I'm talking about in this section are the ones that don't have an outcome. Yes. If anything, I had to, in my own journey of kind of leaving corporate and then trying to find out, I didn't even know what I liked. I couldn't even answer you because I just had never made space for that. Mm. It took me a really long time to figure out what I like. And I had to force myself to do activities that didn't have a productive outcome yeah. to find out what I liked. Mm. And... The, you know, kind of one criteria that always helped me is what do I, what makes me forget what time it is? Because we're so controlling of our time to make sure we fit everything in that your true joy is when you don't even care what time it is or what day it is and you just get consumed, which is a book. I mean, you can read a book for hours and it feels like minutes or the other way around. But everything else we do is so conscious and chosen and and purposeful that you know puzzles and things are just such a beautiful way to play and let your brain just unwind because you haven't got
1: the puzzle gene my husband's got the puzzle gene and he will sit with my son and do like a three hour thousand uh (laughs) thousand puzzle but you know uh, and I look I think the other really important thing is in your relationships to say just because you're like that doesn't necessarily mean that your partner's going to be like that. Or you have to force each other to do, yeah, totally. So, you know, and to be able to then stop and respect. So, like, my husband knows, I'm a massive foodie, and I'll say when we travel, you know, we are travelling, like, you know, we're on a (laughs) uh, a 45-minute walk to to find the third best little Japanese sushi bar in this laneway. Oh, yeah. And and he's like, no problems, because he knows that that's my thing and he will not question that we're going to go even though we're going to pass 20 other ones on the way no you this need is the one I'm, that's the one i'm going absolutely to whereas he's a massive golfer so i need to understand oh. that if he needs to sit and watch the british open for, for hours and hours that's his thing yeah. so don't always presume that someone else is going to have your interests as long as you respect each other's, so and that's let each matters. other have the time yes. yeah
0: we're the same when we plan trips it's like we reverse engineer everything around the restaurants that i'm gonna yes. to go to yeah. and then it's like if we have time about the things maybe they'll fit yeah. in but
1: <laughs> <laughs> Foodies, <you're not>. yeah
0: <laughs> all right so second last question just to finish up what are the three interesting things that don't normally come up in conversation about you like oh. allergies or party tricks or oh. pet peeves or
1: funny little quirks. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think probably that I grew up in America, so... Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so... I um, oh, didn't yes, you know that. There you go, so... I always um, thought you were a Melbourne girl. Yeah, so I was born in Melbourne, and I moved there for my primary years. You have no
0: accent at all. No,
1: but you, I came back, you know, when I was yeah. 11, so... Still
0: lots but, of people often keep yes, from keep that it. that age. And that
1: was really interesting because there's nothing about being thrown completely out of your comfort zone. Like, oh I look gosh. at my kids, and they're so comfy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and they just ride their bikes around. My son at 15, I'm loving it at the moment. He's got his fishing rod coming out of the um, the drink holder on his bike and he rides down <laughs> and just catches chilling. fish in the creek near um, our place. And you go, you know, it's just, you go to a foreign country and it's just everything was different yeah. from schooling and what people wore and, and the accents and, and then readjusting. And I do think, you know, so I'm sort of, I had that. So that's certainly something that people... Um, makes you worldly Yeah. You know, yes probably don't know i mean i think most people might not maybe know that i'm a absolute like obsessive passionate traveler and so mm. I've been you know I go on some big trips and I and I am not a big spender in lots of different ways but travel Travels is my thing. thing so this year you know we've been to Cuba and we oh, have been, been to South America we just went to Machu Picchu and to the Galapagos Islands oh. and saw all the gorgeous sea lions there and so yeah travel is a huge passion of mine and I feel very grateful that Carmen's has been able to provide that to me mm. I love not travel. I think nothing makes you richer and yes. I, I'm not a like
0: handbag person yeah, or like clothes and stuff. So I'll just spend all my money yes. on travel. <laughs> like, I know the feeling. Yeah.
1: So I'm always looking. And then, you know, and it's interesting of of how that, you know, and, and what you see of how other people live. And I, I guess for me, the biggest thing that I ever want is just for what happens in my four walls at home to be awesome that's my yeah. biggest thing so to be able to have fun with my family and to go home and for it to be you know like it's just always crazy and eclectic and everyone just loves I don't know <laughs> who came around to our place last night it was just you know there was blood nose here and there's a drum this is like the dogs running around <laughs> it's just around. a circus, yeah, it is a circus. <laughs> but it's just to me that nothing makes me happier oh that's beautiful that and I, I think that at the end of the day that doesn't matter how big your house is you know how much money you want to it's just really about genuine friendships genuine mm. connections having the you know surrounding yourself with people that you love and you admire mm. and you know that's to me, the essence of success in life. Absolutely. I think there's
0: a a really nice quote, collect moments, not things. And I think it's just the best advice, which actually leads to the last question because I love quotes so much, which is what's your favourite quote?
1: Probably, um, please take responsibility for the energy you bring into this space. (gasps) So um, we are all responsible for the energy we bring into every space. And I know what it feels like to get home at the end of the night and think, oh my gosh, I've had to be dated But yeah. you need to shake that off and go in because that is the energy you're into a fresh space. And your family doesn't deserve anything less. Or, yeah. you know, the same workplace, the same with friendships. You know, some people come in and they just bring this either negativity or they bring this stressed-out vibe or they also bring this ego. Yeah. You know, like, I'm better than you? I'm just like, go for it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, sure. I'm not playing that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And yeah. I, I feel that that's um, something that, you, you know, no one can own your own, your energy but you
0: yeah that's such Mm. a good one and it really does have more of an impact on the people around you I think than you might think that it would and it's something you choose before you enter a room to shake off whatever you've been doing just before I think it's so important well thank you so much for your time I'm so excited for this run I never thought I would be excited for a run but I'm a new (laughs) convert this year so the 10k you can also do the 5k or the 21 if you're a bit of a hardcore runner and I'll make sure to include links in the show notes because I think that will be a wonderful run for a wonderful cause and and I hear we are also looking forward to a children's room. Yes.
1: Ooh. So, um, I think it's the 6th of January. It's our first, you know, we've been working on this for a long, long time. Oh, My exciting. daughter, Grace, has been instrumental in designing yeah. flavours, pack designs, everything. Oh, that's beautiful. So it's, it's little Grace here, who's nine. This is her big passion project. And, um, <laughs> she an ambassador? Yeah, well, I think she'll, <laughs> she'll be at the fun run. Um, oh, well, so I'll run yes. along with her. Yeah, so she... Um, yeah, so I'm very proud and I think it's gonna be awesome. So
0: Oh well I'll make sure everyone is keeping an eye out for that and thank you so much for your time. Pleasure, thank you. <laughs> Oh, so much wisdom. It's always so surreal to sit down with the people you've admired for so long. I'm a bit of a tragic fangirl, as I've said before, so it's always a challenge to keep my cool. (laughs) Speaking of, it's also surreal to have your very own fangirls, and I was pinching myself all day at the Business Chicks 9 to Thrive conference earlier this week. Since we record all these without being able to see our listeners and our audience, it's usually just me and the guest in a room. It's so easy to forget real people are actually listening. (laughs) So it was the best feeling ever to meet so many listeners for hugs and pickies. Thank you all so much for coming. We've got our own very first live episode event coming up too in a few weeks, you might have already seen on socials. And tickets are selling like hotcakes, which I cannot believe. So make sure you hit the link in the show notes to get yours too. I'll be interviewing the amazing former Miss Universe Australia and speech pathologist Olivia Molly Rogers. And cannot wait to see some of you there. Also hope to see some of you at the Fun Run this weekend. Shoot me a DM if you're planning to attend. I would love to meet you on the day. Hope you're having an amazing week and a seizing your yay.